Raising the Bar podcast, brought to you by the Association of Gray's Inn Students. Hello, welcome to the Raising the Bar podcast. Today we're with Sarah Adelby in Gray's Inn. Sarah is from Five Essex Court and she specialises in public and human rights law, equality, healthcare and personal injury. And Sarah is going to be talking to us about paperless practice. Thank you very much for joining us. So, first of all, what is paperless practice? I think it does what it says on the tin mostly. It's managing your practice at the bar without reference to paper bundles, uh, generally using everything electronically, working with electronic papers. Um, Everyone has a computer nowadays, so it's not different in that regard, but it's how you interact with your computer and the reliance that you have on it for running your day-to-day life. And you made the conscious decision, didn't you, to have a paperless practice yourself. Why did you choose to go down that route? So I decided to move to a paperless practice because I was finding uh, in my about third year in practice that my files were getting larger and larger and I've got really small wrists. So carrying (laughs) my wheelie bag everywhere was getting more and more difficult as it swelled with lever arch files. And there were a few people in my chambers at the time who were very keen on paperless practice or sort of minimalist paper paper in their practice. So I thought I'd give it a go. And yeah, it's worked out pretty well. It is getting accustomed to a very different way of approaching your papers. And when you have studied law in a particular way, it can be quite hard to break that down, but it does come with time. I started with small things, so I used a paperless approach for little hearings, like small applications for striking out. When I when I first decided to uh, go paperless, uh, I'd already, like I said, I already had my laptop and I was using that everywhere. So I had to find a substitute for where I would keep my my bundle, what would be my papers. And I spoke to my a member of Chambers, uh, and he had explained to me that he carried around with him two iPads and his laptop. Oh, wow. He was significantly more senior than I was, and I couldn't afford two iPads. <laughs> Certainly not the nice big ones that <laughs> he had. So I popped off to the Apple store and I got myself an iPad, which you can see me using now. It's I the can, same it's one. very nice, I have to say. Thank you very much. <laughs> got it in gold. Ooh, Beautiful. Like rose gold, isn't it? I nice. don't have, they didn't have rose gold know. at the time. I, know, it I was really good to rose gold. it. Because <laughs> my <laughs> phone was rose gold. Oh, no, you could have matched. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I had looked at other tablet options, so other things like Samsung's and whatever not, but I had a MacBook Air at the time and I kind of just wanted the continuity. Mm. And then once I got my iPad, I researched different apps that you can edit documents in. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, um, Adobe is great for manipulating PDF files. So I uh, I had to get Adobe Pro. Mm. It is the market leader and I... I personally couldn't find anything that was useful enough to substitute it. I would either ask my clerks to scan papers if they came in, or I would say to solicitors, could you just send me the the scanned documents? Most firms that I tended to work for would already have scans of documents. Um, Some of them 
did make them searchable, others didn't. It's really variable. But if they had an electronic copy of the papers, they'd send it to me. And if it wasn't readable, I would use Adobe Pro to make it readable. And then when I was carrying it around to go to court, this is really early on in my practice, I decided to go for um, an app called iAnnotate, which allows me to edit it, write on it, put bookmarks in it, highlight things, highlight irregularly as well as on the text so I could draw circles around stuff. I know other barristers who are also paperless who have decided different apps work for them. And I think it's just a personal preference and also how you tend to interact with your papers. So with that, I took very simple cases and started with them. And the biggest change I found was that when when you have a, a bundle of documents, you get used to understanding where certain things are in the bundle by knowing its depth within it. Right. And so I don't, it, and it was interesting to find out that that was obviously how I was thinking about things subconsciously because I had to completely revise that. Yeah. Uh, and it meant that I had to make sure that I was really explicit in my bookmarking rather than just putting a sticky tab on it, what that sticky tab was for. So Adobe Pro allows you to bookmark something type in what that bookmark is and then you click on it and obviously it goes straight to page. It also does some really fancy things like if you had a witness statement that refers to a number of different exhibits, you can highlight the word exhibit, you know, 01 in the witness statement and then tally it to later on in the PDF where the exhibit starts so that it gives you the speed but that requires quite a lot of interaction and time to prepare. Um, and some people like to do that. And I don't tend to do it as much because I'm reading, so I'll tag as I go. But after I had a few successes, I thought, OK, I can start levelling this up. And after that, I started seeing my fiancé, who is a techie person himself. And I asked him what he thought was the best, the best way to start dealing with my practice because he saw me sort of interacting with my papers, both on my iPad and also in my, as I was transitioning, where I was using papers still. And so he suggested to me that I got a couple of screens. Uh, so I leveled up and I got three screens. Oh, wow. My laptop screen counts as one and I have two screens. So when I uh, plug my laptop in, it's a little bit like the Starship Enterprise, <laughs> where I have High two tech. screens, and the two screens are actually A4 um, portrait. So I've pivoted them. Oh, so it was like an actual, like a page? Yeah, That's exactly. Impressive. So in one screen, I will have the bundle if I'm reading it for the first time, and then the Left-hand screen, I will have my open Word document where I will either be drafting a chronology or like keeping notes to myself that I would use, what that I used to include in my blue book. And then my laptop will be open in case I want to research something or like go on Westlaw and then see across three screens. So your paper is not only in court but also at in your chambers. Desk. In yeah, chambers. that's what you. I think that you can only be paperless in court if you are paperless at your desk because the document that you are taking to court on your iPad and on your laptop are prepared when you're in chambers. So 
when I read a set of papers for the first time, I'm tagging as I go along. And then if I am refining it, I'll sort of organise them into sort of group categories or various different ways. There are various different ways of doing it, but I tend to follow the old school style, like chronological, looking for big things, highlighting stuff. And even though you can't flick through a bundle in the same way that you would do when you're working with a paper bundle, you can... Have you ever used Adobe? <laughs> I don't think I have. No, no. I'm not sure I have. If you open up Adobe, you can have a, um, an overview of each page full and just scroll oh, okay. through it so you can kind of see... So as the, the headings, go. effectively. No, as the whole page. So you see a thumbnail of it. Oh, I see. So, so like that. Like a, oh, so... so and it's the same with iAnnotate. You can... Oh, you, so can you can actually see, the, see like little pictures of the, yeah, of the page. Yeah, exactly. Really and if you're familiar with what it looks like, it's more effective than when you're flicking through a bundle because you're usually just flicking through corners or sides mm. whereas I can see everything including if I've highlighted something. So just like looking at the um, you've spoken about the differences between the paper bundles and the electronic bundles in terms of like the depth and flicking through them how do you manage when you have the electronic bundle and your opponent has a paper bundle and perhaps the judge has a paper bundle and you're all trying to find the same page? <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, so you are at an advantage, or you, at, but you can, in some situations, and you're at a disadvantage in other situations. Usually, if your bundle is PDF, you will have all of your documents in one place. So if somebody says, well, I thought I saw this that referred to that, and inevitably, you would be really prepared for it. So you would kind of know what document they were looking for. And I tend to remember... The content of the documents, I think everybody does, it's not a special <laughs> skill for me, but you can look up, you can uh, search for the word, right? and then I'll, I'll get the page immediately because I'm just typing for the word, I'm not looking Super through efficient. each page to yeah. try and figure out where it is. And that's a real, real benefit, and it is also a real asset when, um, for instance, if you need to re-examine someone, you can look for the document that you know you want to re-examine them on. Because right, often you have a few minutes, don't you, just yeah. to quickly prepare. Exactly. And you're trying to concentrate on what they're saying. It takes quite a lot of time to concentrate on what they're saying and try and find something in a bundle Much if you're looking at each F. page. Whereas hitting yeah. that <laughs> so solves all your problems. What do we do control F? It also helps. Times where it's helped has been when parties have suggested that something exists in a certain form right. when it clearly doesn't. So when they're giving their evidence in chief, it's easier for me to pick up a document that I wasn't anticipating they were going to go through much quicker so that when I start cross-examination, I'm already ready of, about how it inserts into my cross. So there are real benefits in that way. The real downsides are sometimes you're scrolling whereas they are just pinching the bundle and turning to right. it, whereas I'm looking for it. Mm. it. And that is if they haven't referenced what document it is. So if they've just said the page number, then mm. I have to find the page <laughs> number. Frantically whereas page. if they had said, can you turn to the, the risk assessment, then I'll know what one I'm going for, and I right. just hit the bookmark and it will show up. So there are pluses and minuses to D 
dealing with situations where we're all looking for the same document, I have generally tended to find that I get most places pretty quickly because it's pretty easy to get to. Whereas if, especially if you've got multiple <laughs> trial bundles, people are picking things up and looking for them. But yeah, so that's, that's how that part is managed. And this might seem quite an uncontroversial topic. However, I know a lot of people are quite passionate about reading stuff on paper. It's very much, if you offer to email them something, it's absolutely not. So I want it printed, I want to read it, I want to highlight it, I want to write on it with biro. And <laughs> if, how would you persuade these people that paperless practice is a good way to go? Well, I suppose the reality of it is that we are all moving towards a paperless practice courts are moving towards it. It's um, much more secure. There are, you know, it's a bit of a a double-edged sword in some senses, because if you carry around paper, nobody really cares about (laughs) your pieces of paper. But, you know, many people are interested in your expensive laptops and iPads. This is true. (laughs) But the difference is if somebody steals my expensive laptop and iPad, it's encrypted. Mm. Um, I can erase it remotely. Um, most pe- most chambers, internet ser- or IT services providers have a way of blocking access. The way that I store documents at the moment, it, when I first started, when I, when I made the commitment fully, so transitioned, I decided I really wanted to just do this. My, my fiancé built me the sort of my own personal equivalent of Dropbox because I didn't really tr- I didn't really trust Dropbox because it was an American company and not that Americans can't be trusted but but with GDPR coming um, I knew that they were going to be compliance requirements and so he built me a Dropbox where my server was in my house and I was like I felt like that was much more secure um, he made sure that I had end-to-end encryption so that as soon as something was uploaded and tried was transferred into the server it was encrypted along the pathway. But now I've moved to my current chambers. They have a central system called ShareFile, which is managed by Citrix, and it's the same sort of concept as Dropbox. So everything is in that. It's secure, and you can sever connections between the Dropbox equivalent and your device. Whereas if you lose paper, you can't hide the data no. <laughs> and there is no guarantee that somebody isn't actually going for that data so it is it was more secure so I think we're going to be moving towards a paperless practice for that reason and I think that a l- number of different areas of practice are being dominated by paperless so I think we discussed it earlier that the criminal bar and the criminal justice system is going uh, paperless I know that the Judiciary are talking more and more about converting to a paperless system. I certainly have been in employment tribunals where judges have told me that they are trying to move towards a paperless system or they are exploring ways of making it more paper minimal, mostly because storage is a factor. Storage for files costs money you can have rooms and rooms of evidence can't you and And then they get lost Mm -hmm. and you may may not be familiar with a number of different cases where various organizations lose 
even the memory that the room existed, let alone the fact that they had the file. Right, <laughs> so, not ideal. Not what you need. Not, no. not, <laughs> not GDPR compliant. No, absolutely not GDPR compliant. <laughs> so, um, whereas particularly now in as a result of GDPR, most systems or most document storage servers will have um, an audit trail as documents get uploaded, it will start to recognize it. And if it gets deleted, they'll be able to trace when that happened and things like that, which means that the integrity of maintaining the data is uh, inspires a lot more confidence. And especially if you're going to have a justice system that <laughs> you want to make sure the public have faith in, those are, I think, big facets of it, especially if the public is more and more tech-enabled and tech-savvy, you can't have an old judiciary that's still asking you to work on paper. So if it's inevitable that the court centres that we're working at are going paperless, we will eventually be going paperless as well. Um, and we are subject to the similar uh, to a similar set of issues. Barristers are required to keep their documents for, for at least seven years. Um, Direct access cases have different constraints, but professional negligence claims can be brought against you for up to six years. So it's always advisable that you keep them a yes. touch longer, <laughs> Don't really want just to lose in those. case. And storing vast quantities of paper is impractical for chambers, especially where chamber space is a premium. And when it comes to concerns about liking paper... And I certainly felt the same way when I converted. I converted out of necessity. My, I was getting quite significant back pain from carrying all my stuff around. And when you have back pain and you are working very long hours as a junior tenant sitting up at your desk, anything to alleviate that pain is welcome. But despite my scepticism... I started to realise that the reason I liked working with paper was because I was always working with paper. Right, so more you're reinforcing, more yeah, exactly. You're reinforcing a habit that you've grown up with. Mm. So if you've grown up with interacting with notebooks, you know, at school, um, writing things down, reading things a certain way, then obviously you're going to be biased towards it. And sorry, you were going to say something. Well, on that point, I think where technology develops so quickly. Um, I know nursery children now have iPad time in some nurseries where they, they play their <laughs> iPad games and educational games. And, you know, whereas even 10 years ago, two years ago, they would have been unheard of probably. Do you think that paperless practice is going to come in quite quickly based on how fast technology is developing and how just in the space of a couple of years, working with technology feels much more normal than it would have done previously? <laughs> hmm. Do I think it's going to come through quickly? I think the honest answer is no. And I think there are a number of different reasons for it. But I think one of the first, probably, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, and but I just don't think that the government has the funding to roll out sufficient hardware and pay for the software that's needed to run a, an entirely paperless system. So I think that, you, in order for everything to be completely paperless, it requires a huge degree of investment on, in 
what people are using. And we also have to bear in mind that, as we were talking about habit beforehand, the habit of court system at the moment is still paper. And so retraining court staff, judges in a paperless way of working will take time. And that doesn't mean that it won't be done or shouldn't be done. It's just that if we're talking about how quickly it's going to be rolled out, I think you have to take into account those features. But I think they are certainly doing pilots to see how feasible it is. And when I say it's inevitable, I think that I imagine by the time that you're in practice, it will have moved on a bit further and then there will be people who are at university now by the time they start practice it will be the norm Mm. but for now it's everybody doing their little bit and trying and trying to get used to it and sort of accepting that it'll feel a little bit more uncomfortable Mm -hmm. going back to persuading people to move towards paperless practice uh, and the desire to highlight write on paper etc there are so many apps now which allow for you to do just that. It's advertised quite heavily, actually. And there are different pieces of hardware that might do that. I think there was a a tablet that I saw, which is supposed to mimic a kind of Amazon Kindle, uh, and the screen's a bit more like that. I personally don't like it because I want to be able to see what's on the screen. (laughs) But there are things that work for different people. And... I don't want to say that working paperless is entirely environmentally friendly because obviously you need to make sure that your <laughs> your mm. your iPad is charged and your laptops are charged but they are it's a different way of approaching it and unfortunately I think that it's a resource that or at least paper is a resource <laughs> we probably shouldn't burn through in the same way that we are <laughs> doing so something that will happen eventually, almost inevitably, but probably not for a little while. No, exactly. A lot of this information is really useful for people who already are barristers. Um, for people who want to be barristers, so usually students, is paperless practice something that they should be thinking about? If you're anxious about a paperless practice, try carrying out 10% of your studies paperless. So if you're going to do an advocacy exercise, see if you can handle it paperless or doing a grazing moot, see if you can do it paperless. You'll only get better at doing it if you keep doing it. And eventually it will become second nature in the same way that working with paper bundles um, is second nature to people who've done it for years and years and years. Sarah, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Uh, This is something which I'm sure we'll be hearing more and more about as technology develops. And I wish you all the best with your paperless practice. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Raising the Bar podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review. And for more information, check us out on Twitter at RaisingTheBarGI.